Welcome back to the 58 West King Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is the 24th of June, 2022, and we have returned from our off-season hibernation. We're recharged. We're refocused. We are excited to resume talking football. Back with me for our third season is my co-host, the lovable Matt Graham. Matt, how you doing? Mm. Yeah. We're back, baby. Helicopters flying into Vietnam, getting ready to jump out the doors into the football offseason. We're uh, we're back from our spring break, and we are ready to go. I'm happy to be here, Tony. Happy to be here. I'm happy to see your face again. It's been a minute. Been a hip-hop minute. Our last episode aired all the way back in February, about three months ago. A lot of time has passed since then. Anything uh, anything exciting happened to you? Any major updates? Any new podcast you've helped launch? Yeah, yeah. So um, in that time frame, there's been some episodes launching for the Whiskey Flick podcast, uh, hosted by Terrence, some guests, and me on occasion, um, talking movies, giving you the in-depth skinny on our favorite movies. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Terrence puts in some great work over there the episodes i've been on are a lot of fun you know we've had some other guests friends of mine mark marshall um nate's been on an episode you've done work on there on some segments really really good show so check that out you're putting out content fairly regularly and uh you know things get busy things get hectic but they're uh keep an eye out for them so good stuff definitely go check those guys out it's uh very educational and entertaining but it is great to be back before we get too far into this thing i just want to once again congratulate jason baziotis aka the inglorious Baz turns for winning his record third championship in our league. He's got two more than anyone else, and we are going on year 14, so very impressive. Any comments for Jason? And obviously, I was required by state law to say all of that. I didn't want to. I mean, we have the commissioner and co-commissioner here right now. I think we can make an executive decision to kick him out the league um, so that he doesn't get a fourth, or at least kick him out the suspend him for a couple of years until someone can get two more wins, mm-hmm. right? I don't. Man, I'm yeah, it's uh, feels like there's a big shadow. We're in Jason's shadow right now. Yeah. That's what it feels like, honestly. Like, what am I even doing? Why am I even trying? He's tall too, he's 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, he's a big guy, so it makes sense. Uh, we also had a good friend of ours get married, Philip Gonzalez. You went to that wedding over in Europe. Congrats, Phil. Uh, JC Josh Callis announced back in February that they're adding to their family and having a boy. Awesome stuff there, Josh. Please, for the love of God, don't let him grow up to be an Ohio State fan, please, Josh. Please. He's going to be an Ohio State fan, and I we just hope that Brittany takes the reins and makes him a Chicago Bears fan. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Because uh, we can't handle a Cowboys fan. It's not going to be good for us. Yeah. So, uh, Brittany, please continue the path of dominance in the relationship and make this new beautiful baby boy a Bears fan. It's been rumored she wears the pants. So, I mean, uh, Josh wears pants. Not the pants, though. I don't. He wears pants. Okay, I've I've been around him enough times. He wears pants, he, mm-hmm. so that's that's is that right. about where that ends? That's about where that ends. It's <laughs> about where it ends. <laughs> to be fair, I don't wear the pants in my relationship. I'm not, you know, Josh. I also wear pants, but not the pants. Yeah, I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we said we also wear the pants. I don't wear the pants ever, not once. I don't like to. To be honest, I hate pants. I wear. You're them. like a short sandal kind of guy, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Short sandals. I wear jeans and sandals. I'm sandals all the time. Kind of guy. I get a lot of yep. slack for it, but uh, you know, I do what I do. All right. For today's episode, we're going over a few quick NFL updates and then our top three favorite off seasons for NFL teams. Are you ready? I am. I am ready. All right. Let's get right into it. One of the more recent pieces of news, future Hall of Fame tight end Rob Gronkowski calls it quits again. He retired this week. Thoughts, Matt? 
So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. <laughs> We're not going to be fooled again. Uh, I I believe it. He's getting older, and you can tell the injuries are taking a toll on him. And it's not, and he plays a position where he you take a physical beating. That being said, like he's joked about quitting when he got traded to. I think he got traded to the Detroit Lions. Like he would trade the Lions. Like no, I don't. I retire. <laughs> <laughs> like and which I just can't believe he got away with that. And then came back and played for the. The Patriots, when they needed him for the playoffs, and then same thing with the Bucks, retired, kind of stopped playing, and then, hey, but we need you. All right, I guess I'll show up. Even his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks called halfway into the season and he answered the call. And I'm sure that's like Drew Rosenhaus being burned so many times by his his uh, his client retiring. Mm-hmm. It probably put him into a bad way with some GMs. So I imagine he's kind of sick of it, but we'll see. You never know. Yeah, Gronk ranks fifth all-time amongst tight ends. Uh, and his touchdown total ranks third. So I think it's fair to say the only mark on his record is his acting in those USA commercials. I would believe it more if he had a TV deal because there's nothing to say. I mean, I know he's a wild card, but he is endlessly entertaining. Somebody you think would sign him to some sort of commentator, maybe the guy that with the comedian that does it with Frank Caliendo before the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like just something to where I'm like, okay, he has something else going on. I could see him taking that role, but if that's not happening. He's probably just like, dude, how do you not want to do training camp? I don't want to do mm-hmm. OTAs. I don't want to play the first five, six, seven meaningless games of the season that the Bucks are probably going to win anyway. Let me just let me just skip. Let me fast forward all of that and show up when it matters. So I think that's probably likely. I certainly hope so. I have a lot of Gronkowski and best ball, these way too early drafts. But next up, Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder was subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee and will have to testify next week. He can't get out of that one. My question for you, Matt. Does John Gruden face additional discipline now that Snyder has to answer to Congress? I don't know. I don't think so. I think, um, isn't he suing? Gruden's suing. Yeah. Or did he win his lawsuit? I think he might have won it, too. I, I don't know. It's a we'll, it's we'll a, it's it. a lot of things. We fact check that. Let's get some lawyers on the line to tell us what's going on. For the record, I hate Dan Snyder. I've been on record talking about how he's a trash person. He's a trash owner. He's a trash, trash businessman. He predatory business practices on... With disenfranchised communities and non-English speaking communities with his communications programs. I, it's bad. It's all bad. But a boss ass move. We're like basically as close to the version of HR that he has. Like, look, we kind of would like you to come speak to us. He's like, that's cool. I'm going to take my yacht to France. Deuces. <laughs> and leave Roger Goodell holding the bag like, now we punished him. We, You don't have to bring him back here. It's fine. We, I assure you that I slapped his wrist harder than I've slapped anybody's wrist before. Did you see the Roger Goodell's comments during his? It's, it's we assure you, he's not even running his own team right now. It's like, yeah, but he's profiting from it. Who cares? We're running it. It's funny. It's funny, sad, not funny, funny. It's funny, sad. But he's uh, spinning now, so he's going to have to talk to him. Oh, man. And this might be in a year where we got the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, which I don't know if you watched any footage from that trial. I it saw was some glorious. highlights. It was, it was glorious. There was yeah. some really good stuff in there, honestly. We might get some uh, Dan Snyder being subpoenaed, but this is good. This got to be filmed. I don't think it mm-hmm. will be. If it is, I'm watching. It that should be. I don't imagine TV. that's going to be behind a closed door. I don't think there's any classified about the must Washington Commanders. Watch television. What a year for courtroom reality. Oh, my God. Reality. <laughs> really? He's a turd. Last, wide receivers Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, and Will Fuller, among others, all still remain unsigned. What's your favorite landing spot for any of these guys? It's got to be a contender. All three of these guys have to go to a contender. I would like OBJ to end up back on the Rams. I think he was I think he was a good fit there. I understand why he's not there, but I thought he was a good fit there. 
Julio Jones, it's tough. I don't. Maybe the Colts. Maybe reunite them with Matt Ryan. They're a good team. Like the Colts have a legit good roster. Their weakness is wide receiver. I don't know that Julio Jones in the state he is actually bolsters it any more than it's a reliable option that Matt Ryan feels comfortable with. And then Will Fuller, uh, I'm trying to think of what team needs a deep threat. I Almost every team, the Chiefs. The Chiefs could use Will Fuller, although they have Sky Moore, which they're hoping that rookie turns out to be that. But I think a team like that might be in, in use of his skill set. I can see Julio in Indianapolis. Because he doesn't need to be the number one. He doesn't need to get 130 targets there. You have Michael Pittman. And hey, maybe between Julio Jones and uh, Paris Campbell, you can get a full season. Yeah, Julio Jones maybe. was so bad last year that he convinced the Titans to trade him and A.J. Brown because him and A.J. Brown <laughs> high-fived once. They're like, Julio, you are so bad that not only are we not getting you back for any more time on a contract, we're also going to trade A.J. Brown because he high-fived you once. Oh, what a, what an offseason, man. Woo! But for Dallas, they have 205 vacated targets plus an injured Gallup to open the season. Green Bay has 241 vacated targets. Obviously, losing Adams was a big uh, shot there. And then Tampa has 186 vacated targets plus an injured Chris Godwin to start the season. So three good options for any of those guys. Not sure if these teams will pull the trigger, but possible landing spots. But I think my favorite is, is the Colts. I'm right there with you with Julio. Don't sleep on Gage in Tampa Bay. Don't sleep on Russell Gage in Tampa no. Bay. Opportunities there for sure. All right, on to the meat and potatoes of the episode. It's been a few months since we gathered you all here to talk football, and a lot has happened since then in terms of the draft and the off-season moves. But instead of recapping everything in a seven-hour-long Taco Corp long format, we're going to ease us all into the 2022 season by discussing our top three off-seasons for NFL teams. I picked three, Matt picked three, and we didn't really compare notes here, so we may have a little bit of overlap. Matt, why don't you go ahead and get us started? I'll get us started with the... Miami Dolphins. What an offseason for the Miami Dolphins. Now, their quarterback is still to it. Tanga Bailoa. I'll just say to it. We don't need to do this. We're, we're, it's not rookie year where all of the pundits are trying to impress everyone with their pronunciation of his last name. It's Tua. Tua is obviously a question mark. That being said, I think this team did everything that they possibly could to give themselves the chance to answer that question this year and still be in a position to correct that problem going on. So, for example, New head coach comes in, Mike McDaniel, from that Shanahan tree, that Kyle Shanahan tree, coming from the 49ers. We'll see what he can do on offense. The moves that they made excite me. A lot of speed. A lot of speed. They bring on Tyreek Hill. They bring on Chase Edmonds. They bring on Mostert and Sonny Michelle. They're getting three borderline RB1, RB2 running backs to a team that already had Miles Gaskin, who's a board. So I, I wouldn't say that any of these guys are in a shining stud. But the way that the 49ers have run running backs over the last few years, which we assume Michael Daniels is going to emulate, mm -hmm. is, is, is perfect. It's perfect playmaking in the backfield for that team. And then you throw Tyreek Hill in the mix, who's already come out and said that Tua is more accurate than Patrick Holmes. <laughs> so, I mean, and you know how we love to believe everything that's said in minicamp hype. That's our favorite time of the year. So I think that, and then they bolstered the offensive line with Teron Armstead. They signed Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys who had a breakout season last year. They loaded up on offense. Um, that's firmly on to it to prove himself. And if he doesn't, they still have two first rounders in the 2023 draft. They were able to trade for Tyree kill trade side, a bunch of other players and still be positioned to have two going forward or get a new quarterback in a year in yep. a draft next year. That should be more rich in quarterback talent. So I think they had an awesome off season. Yeah, Mike McDaniels, I believe, was the run game coordinator in San Francisco. So it makes sense that he wants to have just a backfield that's loaded uh, with players that he can, you know, cycle in and out of that lineup. Agree with you there. Decent offseason from the Dolphins. My first choice here, 
the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Eric DaCosta, GM there, and John Harbaugh arguably had one of the best drafts, which was prefaced with a decent offseason, in my opinion, which they addressed a few needs. They signed interior defensive lineman Michael Pierce, safety Marcus Williams, and some depth for their offensive line and center. Morgan Moses, uh, Pierce and Moses grade out in the 70s, and then Marcus Williams grades out in the low 80s, according to PFF. And then during the draft, the Ravens shipped off Marquise Hollywood Brown, kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. For the Arizona Cardinals' first-round pick, and in the first round, Baltimore picked up Tyler Linderbaum, who was the best center PFF has on record entering the draft since 2014, and then Kyle Hamilton, who was a potential top-five pick that the Ravens were able to grab with the 14th overall pick. So Hamilton projects to start alongside Marcus Williams with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters at corner, so much, much improved uh, secondary to what we saw at the end of 2021. And to emphasize the need there, Baltimore was 32nd in passing yards allowed last season, so tons of room to grow. They also drafted David Ajabo out of Michigan and Travis Jones from the Huskies. Both of those guys are going to be depth pieces uh, while they get their legs under them in the NFL. So solid offseason, which saw them addressing the defensive side of the ball with some help added to the O-line, which is also going to get Ronnie Staley back in 2022. Yeah, they're going to get Staley back in 2022. They're going to get Gus Edwards back. They're going to get J.K. Dobbins back. Yep. Just their offseason, if their offseason was just our starters healed, (laughs) our offensive and defensive starters, our first-string players, are no longer injured. If that was, I would already be like, ah, that's top 10. That's top 10 offseason right there. Cause they were projected to be a dominant team last year. They still were in the mix for most of the season with being decimated across the board injuries to almost every skill position on the field. I am a little concerned about their wide receivers heading into the year, Uh, but Mark Andrews had a career year last year. So maybe he can pick up that slack, but yeah, no, they, uh, and Kyle Hamilton and Linderbaum are huge, like to get the number one per player at that position per PFF. But you know, a lot of people agree on those things. To get those two of them in the first round, seeing as how a lot of other teams drafted a lot of questionable players, is a pretty phenomenal job on their part. Very good point that I failed to mention. They they had the worst injury luck last year at all the wrong positions or all the right positions. So getting wow. those guys back is going to be a huge boost for them. Who do you have next? Who's number two? Number two for me, um, Homer pick. Homer pick coming in. Homer alert. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going reverse order here. I'm, I started with my third best offseason, the Dolphins. Second for me is the Philadelphia Eagles. Started off slow. Only real impact pre-draft move was signing Hassan Reddick to get pressure on opposing QBs, add him to that defensive line, You know, a defensive line that's full of power but not necessarily speed outside of Brandon Graham who's aging. So get a guy like Hassan Reddick. He's a one-trick pony. I'm, I'm not fooling myself thinking, oh, man, they got Hassan Reddick. He's in do-everything defensive end slash line. No, he is. Mm-hmm. It's third and eight, third and seven. Let's get after the quarterback, throw him in. So that's what he's there for. But they needed it. They didn't get very many sacks last year. And they're in a team that plays a lot of zone. You need to get pressure on the quarterback. Otherwise, you're just going to give up small chunk plays all the way down the field. So that was a good move, but it was slow. And then draft day came. So they had three first round draft picks. Shortly before draft day, they traded the 17th. It's a convoluted mess. But they traded essentially two first round picks for one of the Saints first round picks this year and a Saints first round pick next year. Similar to what the Dolphins have. They have a quarterback question. Let's load up on offense and then let's also position ourselves to make a good move in the future. Should we need to in a draft that should be more quarterback rich? So they trade with the Saints. Then they trade up to pick 13. They jump over the Ravens because the Ravens were projected to pick the guy that they took. And that guy is none other than the big athletic monster. Monster. And I'm giving him way too much credit here, but they picked Jordan Davis. Huge tackle out of Georgia. Some question marks about his production in college, especially on defensive line that balled out. Georgia defense, obviously. They won the national championship last year. It's crazy how good that defense is. And they got two Georgia players in this draft. But they got Jordan Davis. He's big, 
fast, strong. You don't need to start him right away. You still got Fletcher Cox. You still have good defensive tackles that are aging that can teach him how to do what he's going to need to do to be defensive stud. And then you grab late draft steal in the Kobe Dean injuries. He follows the third round. That's a great place to get him, seeing as his football IQ is up there. Then after the draft, still making moves. Signed James Bradbury to a pennies on the dollar of what he got last year, two years ago from the Giants. He's still a valued option, especially as a number two across from Darius Slay. And then they just signed Jaquiski Tart, who's a decent safety to bolster that secondary. So they, they made some good moves. And then, oh, I forgot to mention, A.J. Brown. They <laughs> traded their second first-round pick to the Titans for A.J. Brown, who's 24 years old and a stud wide receiver. Had some injuries last year, but we saw it in that Bengals game. Like, if the Titans were going to win that game, it was because A.J. Brown was just catching moonshots, just difficult catches over the field. Mm-hmm. He's a playmaker. He makes that what used to be a very questionable wide receiver group look like a very legitimate wide receiver group because Devontae Smith slides into where he needs to slot into, and then you get a bunch of speedsters that slot into where they need to slot into. So, yeah, and they're the best offensive line for PFF. So what, what can I say? Great offseason by the Eagles. Yeah, you guys had great injury luck, pretty much the opposite of the Ravens last year on that offensive line, and that hasn't been the case for the Eagles in years past. And then you make a good point again. Another good point, Matt. Their position, not only for this year, setting up Jalen Hurts to succeed, but also to pivot, right? If it doesn't work out, much like the Dolphins, they can move on from Tua if you know he's not playing up to what their standards are. So I definitely love that pick there. My second pick is going to be the Los Angeles Super Chargers. Obviously, last, last year's draft, they hit on Justin Herbert and Rayshon Slater. They stole defensive coordinator Brandon Staley from the Rams as well, hired him as head coach prior to the 2021 season. But this offseason... They appear in much better shape entering training camp. The Chargers were able to reinforce the defense, bringing in J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, another steal from the Rams, and Austin Johnson. They also drafted Zion Johnson, who graded out to an 84.4 uh, for PFF in 2021. Last year, their defense was bottom five in points allowed, rushing yards allowed, rushing touchdowns, and was in much need of some help, which I believe they got in a big way. Day, Johnson, Mack, and Jackson, they're all going to start week one. And they're going to be lining up with guys like Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr. Big personnel moves that should help keep them in contention uh, in a stacked division, the AFC West. They're also opening up as plus 240 favorites to win the division, only behind the Chiefs, who are at plus 175. Yeah, we'll just go right into my number one offseason. And it is the Los Angeles Superchargers. Uh, there's that overlap. Yeah, I love their offseason to go out and get J.C. Jackson, to get Khalil Mack to get Sebastian Joseph Day on defense. Mack and Day are excellent run defenders. They're going to slate it on that defensive line, help them address their biggest weakness last year. They had the third worst rush yards per game allowed in 2021. The only two teams were worse was Houston-Pittsburgh, and they were Houston-Pittsburgh were terrible. Chargers were you know, touted at the beginning of the season by some Super Bowl contenders, and they yep. had a first-year head coach. He was a defense coordinator, and they lacked in defense. So what did they do? They addressed it. They signed and traded for huge talent on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. They grabbed Zion Johnson in the draft, as mentioned. They got Isaiah Spiller, a shifty, explosive running back to complement Eckler. Let's give them some more offensive firepower there. And then, for me, a big moves too, was to re-sign Mike Williams to give him that three-year contract, knowing you're already paying Keenan Allen. I, I think it, not to guts, but I think it was a very smart business move. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are excellent weapons for Justin Herbert. And they also signed Parham, Parham, who's a good red zone threat for them. So to be able to maintain some of those key offensive pieces while also adding that defensive talent not even just depth, talent, straight up studs on defense. In an AFC West that just loaded up like crazy, honorable mentions go to the Broncos and the 
Raiders for me just for adding talent. But mm-hmm. yeah, gotta give that for the Chargers to see it, see a need, fill a need. Oh, they definitely filled a lot of needs there. My final team, Cincinnati Bengals. You know, it's nice when a team does what you believe they need to do to make their team better. When they have a glaring weakness and they address it with either draft picks or a series of free agent acquisitions. I think the Bengals did just that this offseason. They gave up the third most sacks in 2021 with 30. What'd they do? They brought in guard Alex Kappa, center Ted Karras, and then Lyle Collins. So all three figure to be upgrades at their positions and are currently projected to start at center, right guard, and right tackle. Joining Jonah Williams along that front. Our buddy Nick is dubbing it the Great Wall of Burrow. I'm not sure if that's going to stick, but I like it. In the draft, the Bengals pick almost exclusively defensive players. So Dax Hill, defensive back out of Michigan. Cam Taylor-Britt, another DB out of Nebraska, among a few others uh, for that defensive unit, which was already top five in rushing defense and then middle of the pack just about everywhere else. So these guys are currently plus 2,000 to win the Super Bowl in 2022. So yeah, they had a see a need, fill a need, see a hole, fill a hole, see several holes, fill several holes. (laughs) <laughs> that offensive line was an obvious weakness. Um, I think yep. they overachieved last year based on talent and specifically that O-line. I mean, Burrow got hit a lot. Shout out to Burrow. And then shout out to the team to make the right decisions to bolster that offensive line. Yep. They didn't need to make any moves on offense, really, outside of the offensive line. Obviously, those playmaking wide receivers are really, really good. To think a little more than a year from now, a little less than a year from now, we were talking about how Jamar Chase couldn't catch an NFL football. He had like zero catches in preseason. He said it was difficult. There was no white stripes. And we're like, this guy, are you serious? And then now I'm looking at highlights of him making one arm basket grabs in the playoff. You're like, dude, this is like the ultimate honey. The ultimate honey. And those beat reporters over there in Cincinnati, they only reported on the bad. They got us good. They got us so good. Also, honorable mention, the Cleveland Browns did some things this offseason, some questionable ethical things. Obviously, we're not going to get into the Deshaun Watson situation. If you're going to pull, if you're going to look at just football, obviously that's a thing that they did. But getting Amari Cooper, you know, adding some wide receiver talent, getting Amari Cooper for a fifth round draft pick, I think is what they traded the Cowboys. Look, Amari Cooper is not Tyreek Hill. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not AJ Brown, but he's not four rounds worse than those players. <laughs> so to be able to fleece the Cowboys for Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick, because the Cowboys are great at doing one thing. Letting everyone know what they're going to do before they do it. Everyone knew like, they needed to get rid of Amari Cooper. They could have acted like like the Titans at least acted like they were going to try to pay AJ Brown. Turned out they only offered him like fourteen million dollars a year, which is like disgraceful, honestly. <laughs> at least they acted like it so that a team like the Eagles offered him a first round pick. No, the Cowboys just let it be known. Hey, we're going to throw this guy in the fucking garbage can. Just give us whatever you give us, and we'll take it. And they, Cleveland uh, Browns, shoved a fifth round draft pick down the throats and stole a, a solid wide receiver one off him. So that was a, that was a smart business move from the Browns. I'll, I'll give them that, Matt Kendall. I'll give them that. I had a question. Yeah, how much did Matt Kendall pay you to bring up the Browns on the show? He's supposed to throw our Madden game uh, um, so that I go okay. in the playoff. He doesn't then <laughs> we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have issues. I understand. I would have taken that as well. So to recap. I had the Ravens, Chargers, and Bengals. Matt, who'd you have? The Dolphins, Eagles, and Chargers. Perfect. We are inching closer to the opening of training camp. Should be around mid-July, end of July. So these exercises are definitely beneficial. If you're like most people and you hibernate during the NFL offseason, your league mates, they're likely still about a month or so out from even remotely caring about fantasy. So now's the time to definitely get caught up. All right, Matt, any parting words before we close this episode out? Good. Good decent dad joke for you um, let's hear it yeah, love dad jokes that's good you know 
I like to use big words when out in public so that I always sound photosynthesis. <laughs> it's, it's like a six, six and a half out of 10. Right. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Awesome. Well, that is all we have for you guys on this episode. Please tune in for our next one. On that one, we're going through our first mock draft of the season. It's great to be back. And as always, thank you guys for listening and engaging with us on the socials. It means a lot for Matt, for the janitorial crew that cleans up in here during the offseason. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Feels good to be back. Bye.